Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure to check out the show notes for more details on today's topics and information about my online class, Dental Insurance Design and Management. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. This episode is sponsored by Curve Dental Software. At the American Association of Dental Office Management's annual conference, I've had the pleasure of hosting two different panel discussions on behalf of Curve Dental, and they were titled, Managers, What Would You Do? I had put together a group of managers and or consultants, and they were able to answer a bunch of questions that I had for them, but also audience questions. The sessions were a hit, and next year is already being put into place, and by next year, I mean this year, 2023. I have worked with Curve for a while, and when they mentioned sponsoring the podcast, I thought, sure, why not? Let's give this a shot. I do appreciate their love of office managers and the value that we bring to the table. So check out the show notes for a link to curvedental.com slash Duncan to check out the software with a few incentives tossed in. Full disclosure, they are sponsoring the podcast episodes, but I will not receive any kickbacks for your demos or your signups. I just want to bring you information in case you are looking for a change. And Curve Dental has just been a really good thing for a lot of people that I've talked to. So I will pop back in later with more information. For now, on to the show. We're back with another edition of Nobody Told Me That. And I have two very dear friends with me. I have Andrew Johnston, who is the co-founder of A Tale of Two Hygienists and a hygienist himself. And he also has a couple other degrees that we'll talk about. He is really well known in the hygiene world and just has a lot of great insights from there. And then my frequent co-host, Kevin Henry. I think a lot of people who listen to this know Kevin, but he is the editor-in-chief, the big cheese, big kahuna over at Dr. Bicuspid. Do you like how I added all those titles? To I, uh, that's what card? the business card needs to say now. It's just big kahuna. I'll take that. Absolutely. <laughs> And his podcast is Dental Assistant Nation. So we'll have all of that in the show notes. But the reason I have these two fantastic gentlemen with me is because I want to talk about craziness of 2023 and what we can expect going into 2024. And during the pregame, we had a lot of different topics come up. And I think it might be a little spicy. Andrew, you think we're going to get spicy today? I, I don't think I'm known for being a spicy or controversial figure, but you did say some things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So, <laughs> I, I mean, it'll be what it's going to be. I, I just don't want to promise the listeners too much until we've, we've actually talked about it. <laughs> so we're, we're going to get to that. We have to hold on to that. We can't lead with that now, right? Like you guys got to hold on to the spice because we're going to talk about some hygiene stuff and we will get into that. But, you know, the big topic that has been at a lot of the meetings, they're even having separate, separate meetings about this whole thing is, you know, something we didn't talk about four years ago, five years ago, which is artificial intelligence. So mm -hmm. AI is like really kind of taken over. Now, clinically, Andrew, you're dealing with it. Administratively, I'm dealing with it. Kevin, you're dealing with it with assistants having to master it. And then also from the writing side, my goodness, right? Yeah, like, whole different story there. Stuff. Yeah. So Let's start with you, Kevin. What are you seeing from assistance? What are you seeing from the companies? Because you're also talking to the companies who are putting out the 
technology. I mean, what what's going on out there with AI? You know, one of the biggest and most interesting things I heard at Greater New York it was a prediction about AI for 2024. And and that was that it was going to become a very big part of every dental practice this year. One gentleman referred to it as the chat GBT moment is coming. And I asked him what that meant. And he said, well, you know, none of us knew what chat GBT was a year ago. And now all of a sudden it's, it's on all of our lips and, you know, we are using it and he feels like that in 2024, it's AI is going to have that moment that it kind of breaks through and every dental practice goes, oh, this is how I use it. Or, oh, this is the way I get it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, a lot of team members I talk to are kind of excited about that. They're actually excited about working this into their practice, seeing if it can actually streamline some of the things that they're doing and maybe even help with those hiring shortages. We know a lot of dental practices are still dealing with. Can AI be that uh, go-between with an assistant that is no longer there and they're trying to figure out how to fill her shoes? Can AI be that? So there's, there's honestly a lot of positive buzz around it that I'm hearing at least. Yeah, I think, I mean... I don't know if I'm supposed to just jump in and say things, oh, Teresa. Please, so I haven't been on your show before, but I'm just going to say you. my opinion. Um, <laughs> you know, historically, like 2023 and then 2022 and even before that, I think where we saw AI coming into the clinical space, I think was more administrative, right? So it's mm-hmm. chart notes. It's, I think, taking different inputs that we have from our medical dental history or whatever, and then helping us have prompts to look at this, think about this. One of the newer ones probably in the last couple of years has been like the second opinion, right? You've heard that kind of term quite a bit of, yeah. Hey, we're going to review the work that you did. We're going to review your radiographs. We're going to review some of the inputs that you have walked out for like your codes and this and that. And we're going to run it against our AI algorithms. We're going to see if it, this is like consistent with what it should be based on all of the work that we've done. And if it's not, we're going to say, Hey, this might've been perio right here, or, Hey, this might've been a giant cavity doctor that you missed right here. Mm -hmm. Consider looking at this again. That's kind of where we were. And I think that a lot of the teams want to embrace it. The hard part is the time, right? This is supposed to be a time saver. It's supposed to be something that is helping us kind of get through our day a little bit quicker, but the learning curve is so steep for some of us non-scientific, non-technical people that it's not really the time saver that I think that we're thinking. And so you're like really in two camps so far with AI. The whole, when you said time saver, it's supposed to be a time saver. Like I remember listening to one, one speaker saying that the biggest lie we got fed was that paperless would be truly like, we would never have paper. That was like the biggest lie we've ever been told. And so I feel like it's very similar to what you're saying. Like it's going to save us a lot of time, but if we have to keep retraining people over and over again, maybe that isn't a great savings on time. You know, on the admin side, it's been really wild to go into these Facebook groups and read that people are actually using ChatGPT to write their appeals for insurance, which is, I mean, I love it. You know, I would never have thought that, but it's so, you know, I'm loving seeing it. I'm loving the usage of it. Then I'm seeing them, you know, put it to use in marketing, of course, and Hmm. writing up patient communications and all of that. But then I worry, I always worry, is this actually reflective of what we are doing like the chart notes, you know, and, and that on the medical side, there's a lot of stuff going on on the medical side with electronic health records, because you can say, here's the condition of the patient. I mean, I was just reading this in a, in a blog part article that they, this doctor can say, here's my patient's condition. They're coming in, generate some chart notes that he hadn't even seen the patient yet. And it generated chart notes that were pretty accurate to what actually happened 
because the notes had figured out his style in so long. Like, can we be generating chart notes before we actually see the patient? Like that doesn't sound right to me. (laughs) I think there's gotta be a way though, to put that information into the system, right? Like, Hey, go back and read two years worth of my chart notes, learn me, learn how I do this. And then, then it probably will learn you and how to write them better. I think one of the major misses that we've done over the last couple of years is we haven't used AI for calibration on a bigger scale, right? So you think about the private practices that are out there and you have this, you know, we'll go back to the second opinion thing. Like you have this AI that's looking back and seeing if you guys are diagnosing properly or the same, you're one doctor. So what do you care? Like, you know, you, you can calibrate yourself real quick. You're done. Where it really is helpful is when you have a team, a team of hygienists, you have four or five hygienists and your perio is all out of whack. You have one hygienist that's doing 50% perio. You have one hygienist that's doing like 10% perio. And I know a lot of that's on the doctor, right? Like blah, blah, blah. They have to diagnose. (laughs) But still, like, you know, I think that we also influence our doctors quite a bit. So we say, okay, it's not or it is. And they say, yeah, sure, that's fine. So, but when you're on like maybe a DSO scale, when you have, um, you know, multiple locations or whatever, this is how you get all of your doctors to be speaking the same language. This is how you have all of your front office understand what the back office is doing and vice versa is using this technology, but no one's doing it really. That calibration piece is really interesting because one of the thoughts that I had when this happened is we would be able to take two associates, you know, two hygienists, like you were just saying, right. But how do you calibrate between a doctor who has seen so much and can see like decay much faster than this one over here who's just new and he's starting out and every little shade might be decay and they're testing it, right? right? So there is some serious calibration that has to go on. But then to your point, if it's in a DSO setting or a large group setting, there's just, it's the quantity is what's going to get that data up to speed. In a small practice, you just don't have that. Like a single location doctor using AI for his images or her images, like it's measuring up against the other database, which only gets better as more people start using it. So early True. adopters were really taking a chance, right? Of they were having yeah. that database there. And I think it's definitely gotten, it's definitely gotten to a point where I'm super impressed with what I see on these images as a non-clinician being able to show this to my patients and saying, look at this, like, you know, we're not lying to you. I mean, obviously I don't say that, but it's basically like, we're not lying to you. Like this tooth is jacked. We need to Even do something the about this. So. Even the robot thinks so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You see that, you hear that little scream coming from the computer. That's, that's your tooth <laughs> being red. Right. <laughs> so and that's Kevin, you look that, like, yeah, well, I, I hear that from assistants actually, is that the one thing they're really looking forward to with AI is that it makes their job much easier trying to present why they really need that crown. You know, it really, it takes out a lot of the, awkwardness that there has been with an assistant or a team member who maybe isn't the greatest communicator or isn't that Mm -hmm. confident in himself or herself. And all of a sudden now they've got this to kind of back them up. And if ChatGBT can use those prompts and say, (laughs) here's what you say about it and here's what you point to. I mean, I think that a lot of assistants, even new ones that are still learning dentistry that are coming in from other industries, they're really excited about that. I think there's like that application too, where We've had these for years, but like the Casey videos, I think that Patterson did it, right? Where if we can get the AI to then just be so automatic that we do one click walk out of the room and then they do that presentation about the crown or whatever, Mm -hmm. using some of the tools we already have, such as like the Casey videos, Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where we need to look next, where we're talking about like these time savers, talking about, you know, trying to be more like efficient communicators and things like that. If we don't utilize some of the tools we already have though, to link it back to it, this AI is going to be stuck in place. Right. Right. 
Yeah. It's basically and, and her, a, just a validator, right? It's yeah. not going to help us like discover new frontiers, right? Sorry, right. Kevin. But, well, I was just going to ask, is AI going to take the word watch out of our vocabularies? You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I really am curious, you know, will this speed yeah. along case acceptance? I think that's one thing that I'm really Can, curious. Look, I'm going to be controversial about this. I think the word watch is actually a great word. Are you kidding <laughs> me? So here's, here's, here's the reason why though. Maybe before, and because I, I think that people are just so linear in whether oh, we're going to watch it get bigger, we're going to watch it. Well, then do we not believe in remineralizing at all? That's such bull crap. We have, I can say bull crap, right? This is like a swear word. Okay, that's a nice word. Anyways, so these doctors going in, they're talking about these this prevention. Hey, by the way, I have these tools for you to succeed. This is the incipient decay that, look, I can put a big old hole in your tooth to put a, you know, bigger filling in there yeah. or we can try and remineralize it. There should be watches, but it should be on ones that we're remineralizing and keeping a close eye on. Like that, that shouldn't be out of our vocabulary. I, but that's the I, ideal but though, do. but that's the ideal right. though. So when I was assisting watch meant, okay, this one is definitely going to grow into something, but she's all freaked out about this one over here. So yeah, let's this watch this one. one for the next one. Yeah. yeah so, so, and, and now we are able to do the remineralization, the, the new medicine that what's out, but it's now it's got a dental code that's a Curadon. I think it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. that's going to be amazing next year. Cause it yeah. actually is, you know, going to be able to do that. But, we didn't have that 20 years ago. There wasn't remineralization. That's, that's right. So watching yeah. was really what we could do. But here's the thing with AI. When you see that little dot now, our doctor is going to skip the watch and go straight to let's get in there. So are we now going to see overutilization or higher utilization of one surface composites and fillings, mm. right? Are mm. we going to see more of that rather than stopping and doing the remineralization? I don't know. It's I, something to think about, right? I, so. You brought up like a good point about like over-dependence on AI though too. Like, are we just going to see these little red dots? just like, okay, we don't need to worry about because AI told us we don't need to worry about it. But like, I, I you know, it's going to happen. Look some people are lazy. <laughs> they're going to they're let the robot talk and do stuff for them. It's, I they're guess. absolutely going to do it. Look at the medicine yeah. side of it. Look at radiology now. They don't do any. I mean, radiologists now, like if you are going to get a chest CT scan, they're going to look at it, but they're not going to make a formal opinion until the mm -hmm. AI tells them that they're right on track. And how right. lazy are you going to get? You're going to get pretty lazy. Yeah. So especially if you didn't grow up in medical school, reading the chest x-ray, like mm -hmm. the old school radiologists, the ones that are retiring now, they did nothing but read all these chest x-rays. So they've got 20, 30 years of it. New ones coming up. Are they going to put them in front of old school, like a new hygienist? Are you going to put them in front of films and have them, oh, yeah. you know, it's just, I think, I think it is going to be an over-dependence. That's how Skynet takes over you guys. Have you not seen <laughs> any of the Terminator movies? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the one fear factor that I see from the admin side, and of course, the doctors are nervous about this, is that they think the AI is going to take over from the insurance world. So mm -hmm. that, you know, that's my world is that they think AI is going to be used to deny all the claims, every claim, basically. That's so and, interesting. Well, but it's, I hate to say it, but on the medical side, there's been some lawsuits alleging that. But then when you dig deeper into the numbers, the numbers of denied preauthorizations is really not that different than what's mm. being denied. It's just that mm. they did it so quickly. So there's AI involved in it. And you're already hearing like little things about that in the dental field, but 
I don't think it's as big of a problem as everybody thinks it is, but it's a good boogeyman. And it's what everybody, you know, points to, they get a claim denied. It's not because they had crappy documentation. It's because the AI denied it. Like, right. Oh, okay. All right. Well, where's the tooth? That's not even the tooth. Like, <laughs> so. Um, that's, that's fascinating that you're talking. Kevin and I, when we were in, in New York, we met up with someone who was talking about using AI to do pre-auths and just like insurance verification, just basic, mm -hmm. simple tasks. And then you're talking about this other part of it, like the other half of it. I can imagine at one point, like no one's talking to anybody. They're getting all their verifications. They're doing their pre-auths. Yeah. All of like robots talking to robot, they're going to accept or deny. Then they're going to go back and forth. They're going to argue with each other. They're going to submit more documentation automatically. Yeah. They're going to have all the arguments for us. It right. is going to be delightful. It's going to be awesome. I'll never have to listen to hold music again. I mean, that's, that's the <laughs> ideal, right? Yeah, but right? but I mean, we're still yeah. we're still a ways away from that. But I'll tell you, the carriers, every one of them that I've talked to has said we need to put our budget for customer service dealing with dental offices has skyrocketed. It's, it's uncontrollable. So now we're even to a point where they don't even let us call in some companies. We have to go to the portal. So wow. if we were to deny all, if they were to deny all those claims. Can you imagine the customer service? So they're not trying to take that genie out of the bottle. Is it going to happen? I don't know. What if we get AI diagnosing one surface composites everywhere? Maybe yeah. that is something. So I, I mean, it's, it's always interesting, the corrections and overcorrections mm -hmm. when technology comes into play. So, but do you feel that overall, so Kevin says his constituents, they're more positive. Do you feel like the hygiene world is excited about this? I mean, what about? Oh, I don't gosh. think most of the hygiene world knows about it, honestly. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you look at all the, the practices that are across the world, I mean, or the United States, I guess, in this particular case, I mean, there's some that are using it, right? There's some that are already kind of like playing around with it, but those are the ones that have always been progressive. Yeah. If your office is kind of already progressive, you might already kind of be okay with it. Okay. But the ones that are going to be more, you know, in the rural areas, they're just like, you know, I've seen these same patients for 50 years. Like I don't need to do anything different. They'll never hear about this. They'll never know this is even happening. Well, I've even seen uh, the companies are saying now that they can get perio readings using AI. So does that now take the probe away from you all? What does that mean? You know, that's interesting because I, I would... I would like to know how they're doing it. I mean, you can easily check bone levels. We've been doing it. One of my DSOs that I worked at before, we were doing bone level checks using essentially a ruler. Like we just click here from here, from the CEJ down to the height of the bone. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we'd measure that spot. And then we'd take that information. We put it somewhere else. And that was 10 years ago. Like that's not, that part's not new for computers to have the ability to read that bone loss. And I think that's helpful, right? I, if you have the ability for AI to look at bone loss, great. I don't know how they would do soft tissue. And I think yeah. that's probably where I need more education because I'm sure there's a way to do it through scanning. I just, I don't know how they would do it. That's another, I mean, that's another technology that really has exploded too. So do you find that your hygienists, I mean, are they doing the scanning? Are they happy to put that into the workflow? I mean, how does that disrupt the, the hygiene appointment? I don't know. Happy is the right word I would put there. <laughs> hey, let's do one more thing. Like you guys don't have enough to do already. I think- the ones that I think that have been the most pleased with it is when it's tied to their compensation, quite frankly. So okay. if you're doing scanning and then you get a percentage of every clear liner therapy that you guys do in your office, great. If you get it for every night guard or whatever, you like, if there's a reason that you are being compensated for taking that scan, sure. But it's the ones where, and, and I don't know if there's really any of these offices that are doing it, but it's, it's the ones where they're just like, hey, just go scan just to scan. And we're never going to use that information. That's when they get frustrated. They're like, why are we doing this then? 
Yeah. Right. Well, we need to have the records and we need to do this. It's like, well, if you're not doing anything with them, like make someone else do them. It's not really standard of care at this point, right? To ha- to scan every patient or oh, do you think that will be at a, one point? Oh, standard of care is a weird phrase, right? Because standard of care, like, <laughs> I think that it is the standard of care to do it. I okay. don't think that people are doing the standard of care a- anymore. I think that you, you need intraoral scanning. If not intraoral photos, you need intraoral scanning. Okay. That'll be, yeah, you're right. I can't imagine people being excited about this, but this is something assistants can do, Kevin. Like this is a perfect oh, task for them. And, and I think that this is something that every state dental board is going to have to start looking at. What does AI mean for their practice, uh, for the practices in their state? Because they're obviously going to have to expand then what assistants are legally allowed to do in those states to include that. Mm-hmm. So I'm real curious to see what the legal ramifications of all this are moving forward and how much are the, you know, the dental boards that sometimes can be very uh, antiquated or stuck in stone. Will yeah, they actually say. progress ahead and accept Brand this? New. And, and if not, news. then the chat GBT moment honestly isn't going to happen because if a doctor says, well, my assistant can't do it, therefore, and the team gets frustrated, then it's just going to sit there like, you know, and be a, a virtual coat hanger. It's a great, it's a great point about scope of practice because it's like, we won't let a human do this, but we'll let a robot, a, a sentient <laughs> being do this. Like that is a, a very good point that you bring to that. I think it's, that dental boards are going to struggle yeah. with definitions. Well, and I also too think that the whole, usually the state board takes action when something comes up a couple times legally, right? So mm-hmm. legal, mm-hmm. it seems like legal issues is what moves the scope of practice or the state practice act along. And like, for example, implants used to be that implants weren't the standard of care for replacing a missing tooth long, long time ago. And then all of a sudden, all these people were getting sued for not recommending implants or placing implants. And suddenly implants became standard of care for replacing a missing tooth. And so is that going to be the way? So Kevin, that's true. You're right. Will the robot dictate standard of care at some point? Right. (laughs) Well, and, and you all were talking earlier about the robots talking to each other. And, and, you know, that's where Skynet learned, you know, and that's the scary part right there yeah. is, you know, yeah. how quickly will they be able to diagnose? And if you're talking about any kind of bleeding or anything else, I mean, yeah. How far will this actually advance and how much will it take off the plate? It's yeah. scary and exciting at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, so I haven't, sure. I haven't, I'm not quite at the scared part, but it's not going to take much because <laughs> <laughs> all they need to do is if when the computer talks back to me, that's what I <laughs> It's a problem, right? So, so let's talk about um, State Practice Act and let's get into, I don't know if we're going to get spicy, but you know, it's good to disagree amongst friends. Let's talk about workforce. Let's talk about, you even mentioned the compacts that are out there. And I know that for people who don't practice or aren't in states that have these, would you please explain what you mean or what I mean when I say compacts um, in, in states that it's an issue? Sure. So, I mean, the, the broadest of definitions, and I, I think there's lots of like sub definitions, but the bigger picture is like, can we get one state and another state to agree that if you're licensed in either one of them, this license is valid here and this val- license is valid there. It's just an agreement that, or a compact that they have created between states. And so it could be like a regional thing. It could be, you know, I'm from the Pacific Northwest. So Washington, Oregon, Idaho could have a compact amongst themselves. And then by the by, they could just loop in Arkansas for whatever reason that they just agreed to do. You know, like they could do whatever they want. And I mean, there's several issues with it. But there's also several benefits of it. And I think that everyone, <laughs> I think compacts are a crappy idea. <laughs> I think they're, no, they're, they're a really good idea if it's done well, if it's done yeah. right. But no one is looking at the bigger picture here. And that's kind of where I like, I 
go out of my mind speaking about these compacts. So tell me, well, first of all, let me just make one point. I've never understood because reciprocity is what it's always been called, like right. in Virginia, Maryland area, right? So yeah. compacts is, I mean, that's the word that we should be calling it because that's what the state practice acts call it. Reciprocity so, is still the right word. Is too, it though. still in there too? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you can okay. have reciprocity between states and not have a compact technically. Oh, so the compact is a legal agreement is what it's you're kind of like a binding. Saying. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I've always, I've just never understood, like, is it because the dental schools in one state are different than the dental schools in another. And the dentists over here don't trust what hygienists may have learned in this other one. Like, why wouldn't it be a national agreement? And maybe that's where you were going with it. Like, it just never made sense to me to have it be regional. Cause like, does that mean then that like Washington state's going to look at an Alabama hygienist? Like, ah, please, (laughs) you know, like what goes on there? Well, this is, gosh, I'm going to get like all the bad emails for this, but so here's, (laughs) Here's the problem. No, not every area teaches the same. Okay. So you have CODA, right? CODA has your basic minimum standard of this is what has to be taught in all of the, the classes. Okay. And this is what we agree to teach. To the level of what you teach, though, beyond that base minimum is different no matter where you go. And so when you look at a particular state, you have to look at their scope of practice. Mm-hmm. And CODA, again, bare minimum We'll have like, if you have your scope of practice in, we'll take Idaho again, you, you can do X, Y, and Z as being part of Idaho, like local anesthesia is part of it, or restorative could be part of it, or dental hygiene procedures could be part of it. General supervision, you know, direct supervision, all those supervision laws that might be different than neighboring Montana, right? So just because you can scale teeth in Idaho doesn't mean you were taught the same as what they were taught in Montana. Maybe Montana didn't teach local anesthesia beyond the base, Okay. So why should they have the same licenses as the people in Idaho? Okay. Or for those states, uh, I think Maine, I'm going to get these, some of these wrong, Oregon, Washington, that have restorative function as part of my basic license. So as a hygienist in Washington, I place restorations. I can't give you that same license yeah. to someone in Florida who can't do restorations. You can't, there's no reciprocity there. So you have that ability, though. You got licensed to do that. That is something that you can do. And you did move down to Florida. And were you like, oh, man, I could do this much faster. Like, what happened? <laughs> that must have killed you. <laughs> I would never say that. But no, here's the thing, though. And so in Washington, um, as part of our just regular curriculum, like we don't take, I think it's extra classes compared to, again, the schools in other states. But it's still the same number of years that we go to school as everyone else. We don't okay. take a third year or anything like that. We do have to take boards for it, and we have to like prove that we we have competency there. And then Oregon adopted a lot of things. I think it was like 2011. And so I was able to get licensed and do restorative function in Oregon, mm-hmm. right? And then with Florida, I would have to be an expanded functions dental assistant to be able to do the same thing that I have to do in Washington. So I'd have to get a different license. It's all sorts of messed up. Wow. But I guess my, my point was trying to say at the beginning before I went off that <laughs> rabbit hole as I do <laughs> is it wasn't uncommon when I worked in Washington that I'd have an out-of-state doctor come into our, our clinic or they're a new grad or whatever. They wouldn't understand the scope of practice. And they were also oftentimes slower and oftentimes not as technical, not as good as a lot of the restorative hygienists who have been doing it for 10 or 15 or 20 years. It's just, you know, they were just more, you know, the hygienists were just more exposed to it than the doctors were. Sure, sure. And so having this, like, I guess the, this idea of, you know, we can't, we need to be able to move licenses from one state to another is just so, it doesn't make sense in my head. What if it, what if there were a basic, like what if there were a basic level 
where you are a, sure. you have the ability to pick up scalars and know what to do with them. Take x-rays. Sure. You know, go periotherapy like that would be like the baseline. Um, so you'd have to agree across all of the states like what exactly does that look like? Oh, and okay. and also again supervision laws, right? Like <laughs> That that, that just is monumental. Like as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, forget it. Like just. <laughs> well, I think it can have. I, there actually is, I think, a way to do it. And I think it's like a, like a five tiered thing. Like you have like the top tier can do like dental therapy or whatever, mm-hmm. and then the second tier can do this, and then third tier is like a local anesthesia, and all the way down to like the very very basic, which I I don't know. It's the ones that can't do local anesthesia that can't do anything without a doctor, you know, present. Yeah. Like, and then everyone in the top tiers can have reciprocity down. But then if you want your state to get to the next tier, then you have to like teach more in your schools and give more, widen that scope of practice. Well, and to be, to, to just be real clear to the audience that's listening, the reason why we're talking about this is because of course we have a shortage of of everything. I mean, we have a shortage of everything in the industry now. Hygienists are leaving the field. Assistants are leaving the field. Kevin's like freaking out last when he found out that like, what is it? Most of them are aging out. And what was that stat? You're like, I know you like to say it before bed, like, please don't let this. I I, I do. It's part (laughs) of my prayers actually. Yeah. You you know, when when we're going to lose a third of the current dental assistants uh, within the next five years, because basically they're aging out. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I hear things like this, from the assistant point of view, I'm like, we states have to do everything they can to keep these men and women engaged and to keep them where they can make the maximum out of the practice. So, yeah. It, Let me ask you, Kevin, I had a question for you, man. So yeah. here's the thing. This is, this is where we get salty. Uh-oh. So oh, you we are already seeing it a, a shortage. Why do we want assistance then to be hygienists, to fill that shortage and create even more shortage for assistance? So I'll be perfectly frank. I don't want assistance to be hygienists. I absolutely don't. I think that we've got to stay in our lanes. And I know that I'm going to get booed and tomatoes for saying that. But I absolutely believe that whenever we're trying to move people around, it's just basically a shell game trying to, yeah. trying to, oh, we're going to fix the hygiene shortage. Well, then you've got a worse assistant shortage. Mm-hmm. So I think that we've got to stop trying to figure out how to give assistance hygienist type of duties. Whereas we just need to expand what assistants can do in the practice and make sure that they can actually do the things, you know, and whenever I hear you talking about moving from state to state, I can tell you, you know, dental assistants in Washington and Minnesota can do so many different things. Then they move to other states where they're so restricted. I know of several assistants who left the industry because they moved with their husband somewhere and all of a sudden they can't be a dental assistant and they're barely allowed to take x-rays somewhere. They gave up because it wasn't something that they were passionate yeah. about. They couldn't use their skills in a new state. And so we got some of that is up. ridiculous. It is, yeah. but it happens. Yeah. And so yeah. we were asking, how do we keep assistants and, you know, or team members? I, I love that tier idea. And I, I think yeah. it would be fantastic. But our dear friend Tia Hunter lives in St. Louis, you know, right there. Missouri and Illinois are so different with what assistants can do. So if you're a Missouri dental assistant wanting to go to Illinois or vice versa, You've got to make sure you know what those laws are. And it's mm-hmm. it's tough in, in situations like that. So Tracy, you're asking about though earlier, like um, you know, like you have your basic, you we mm-hmm. like this is where we have Oregon does have something like that. Okay. Just so we are clear, like I want to be fully informative for the audience. Like there are states that do you're a dental hygienist and that this is what that means. Mm-hmm. And then you have your local anesthesia endorsement, and then you have a nitrous endorsement, then you have a restorative function endorsement. And then you have like expanded practice. I mean, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but where you can go out, you know, into the 
the hills and tree people. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a way to have a, I want to say like a, a base pay plus bonuses, yeah. <laughs> you know, like your, your basic license and then more. But the problem is like, we'd have to agree with that basic license looks like. And, and I think when you get into, um, you know, Kevin was talking about like all the scopes, like what can you do to make someone fulfilled that just gets, it gets kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to say, and I'm sorry for the assistants that are listening to this. Like, I don't, it's not that I don't want you to be a, a, a hygienist. If you want to be a hygienist, be a hygienist, right? Like it's, it's more of like a, don't give you guys more to do than you already have to do. Right. Well, and I, and I, push you out. I just would love for the role of assistant to be seen as something other than a stepping stone to another job. Amen. Like, I, I think assistants are so, they're so crucial in the office. Yeah. And I mean, my hat's off to them. I sucked at it. I was terrible. I mean, <laughs> I respect any assistant that can like go all day and get it done because I was just awful. But we see that all the time. Well, I'm going to go to work in an office as an assistant and then I'm going to become a hygienist. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was an assistant and then I moved up, it's like, that seems to be the case. And I'm going, why would you? What's wrong with being an assistant? Like there's so much going on there, but they see it as a stepping stone. But our industry sees assistance as replaceable and that needs to stop. And that's, that's been the problem is doctors will say, oh, I can find an assistant. You know, I can get another assistant. We'll train them off the street, you know, do that. Which is so dumb. Like you look at an office, like they, you could probably survive without a hygienist for a period of time, right? Like, let's be honest about that. We, we really could very hard to survive without an assistant oh, like, yeah. you would do zero production first of all oh. but like everything like from infection control to just basic data entry like everything right. on the gamut right stops without an assistant oh you don't service well, the compressor it's you're you're dead everything yeah. goes down yeah. right so i mean all the basic skills yeah kevin and my whole drum that i bang is that we've got to make sure that we're not just saying oh gosh where are we going to find more dental assistants it's more about the dental assistants that we have. How do we empower them enough? Mm-hmm. And you're right. It takes a, a different mindset, but it also takes it from the dental industry. You know, and I'm going to call out our friends that have those booths at Greater New York and Chicago Midwinter and everywhere else. You can't be looking at a certain color of badge and turn your nose up whenever somebody comes over to, to learn about a product. Yeah. yeah, You yeah. have to embrace them and make them feel like that they matter. And, and I think that we've still got a long ways to go in that respect. I, I funny though the last real quick Andrew the last time I went to a meeting I was the ADA and I remember we were I was talking to them about the whole badge color thing and yeah, yeah. and all that he's like we don't we don't do that we've been taught not to do that and I was like listen I, I've been all over I've been a guest I've been speaker yeah. I've been assistant staff I've been staff you know yeah. y'all do it stop it you do it and yeah. honestly Ooh. why you're supposed to do it because you're supposed to go to the money maker that's sales but just be a little nicer about it for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Oh, I was just say if we're calling people out, let's call the ADA out. Just like, let's just, <laughs> let's do it. So you guys are saying like the right thing. Like we can't just kind of like keep moving these people around as a, you know, shell game. We need our organizations, our professional organizations to advocate for new people coming into the profession mm-hmm. from, I'm sorry, but other professions. Like we need to steal them from oh, everywhere else yeah. and put them into the pipeline and, you do that just by raising awareness. And when was the last time you saw any sort of commercial, whether it's local, national, social media saying, you know what? Dental assisting is a great job. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's be a dental assistant. Great wages, you know, good hours, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they just you know, need to holidays off. They need to start Operation Poach. Like just here's where, you know, yeah. this we need to come to our, you know, come over to dentistry. And I mean, look at what was it? Governor Christy Nome did that whole thing where come to the Dakotas. Is that, is that what she said? Do you guys remember that? No and she she said, we're hiring dental hygienists. And she actually dressed up as a hygienist 
to what? show that we have. Don't you guys remember this? I don't ad? remember Ooh, this at all. Maybe well, I'm the moron that brilliant. watches commercials. That's the problem. I'll have Somebody to find it. But she... Last night, Andrew. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. She did a whole thing where like South Dakota has tons of jobs. I think it's South Dakota. You should come and work here. And hygienist was one of the jobs. Like we need a lot of hygienists. See, I love that. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And but we don't talk about how fantastic dentistry is. I mean, I do. People yeah. think I'm weird. We do, but you know, there's nobody out there going to a high school class. When's the last time that a high schooler saw a dental office come in and advocate for it? It was when they were in Seriously. elementary school and the tooth fairy came in to deliver some toothbrushes like that. Yeah. That's the yeah. last time, but nobody goes to the dental, to the high schools. Nobody goes to the guidance counselors anymore. I mean, that's just career fairs. When was the last time you were part of a career fair, you know? Right. So, yeah. so I agree. I think dentistry kind of gets left behind and I appreciate that the ADA is trying to do a lot of different initiatives, but I have always felt that, workforce is a problem because they're they're worried about workforce in different rural areas but now we have workforce issues every area so mm -hmm. you know yeah. rural areas yeah but let's just talk about it all over the place so i would love to see a national campaign but i i'm not going to hold my breath on it they've got other issues on the table <laughs> right it's going to yeah. be it's going to be from it's going to be grassroots it's going to be managers going out and recruiting and poaching that's the only way it's going to happen. And I think a lot of it is we don't have a grant agreement across the board on what these jobs are. So there's dental assistants, would be dental assistants that maybe aren't going to go into the industry because they think they have to go take these expensive dental assisting schools. And, right. you know, then there's private dental assisting schools, there's public dental, like, what are they going to do? And they don't realize, I mean, it's not ideal, but you could learn on the job and then get the training from there. At this point, you know, I used to say I don't really want on the job training, even though I did it for so long, I would ideally not want to do on the job, I would want to hire a certified dental assistant. But at this point, we need to get flooded, the field needs yeah. to get flooded with dental assistants. So I'm not going to be choosy about that. And I, I feel like I have come to terms with the admin side of it, because if anybody's getting replaced, it's us. And so our managers, we're going to do our best to, to manage the practices and all of that. But receptionists, I'm not saying that we're going to be getting rid of them immediately, but they're expendable. They, they're they expendable because AI can obviously take care of that. I've already seen it in offices that don't have front desk and all of that. Mm -hmm. So at least going into dentistry, going in as a clinical team member, as a hygienist, as an assistant, it's a little bit more job security than going in as an For admin sure. side because we're on the chopping block. And I don't know if I say that too often in classes because, you know, I'm going to get the sad puppy dog eyes. But <laughs> I mean, if I think we all see the writing on the wall that at some point, you know, you have to be amazing at your admin job to move the needle revenue wise to have you in that job. I mean, we're what, 10 years away from that, maybe five years away from that. But you guys at least have some, you know, your constituents have a little bit more job security than mine do. I mean, uh, and you're right now more than ever. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. but but I'll I'll play devil's advocate with you that you may have job security, but it's still something that those and and I'm just going to call out some of my dental assistants, those that are getting ready to age out, who are like, I'm not going to change, I'm not going to adopt any new technology, I'm not going to train this new person who's coming in, which I've yeah. heard a lot about that. Very territorial, you know there's still going to be changes that happen for each profession in the dental practice. And it really is, I think, as we started talking about AI and some of the other things that are coming, we are really getting to the point where you're going to have to adapt. There were years when you could just skate by on what you've done forever and people shrug their shoulders. I think that the way that things are getting ready to ramp up in our industry and the technology that's coming in, I don't think you're going to be able to do that in this next five years. 
I do think the the push towards putting us as part of the bigger machine, the Medicare for all or universal healthcare or whatever. I know there's uh, legislation getting proposed that would mandate dental care for adults all over. It's like our industry is not ready for that at all, at all. No. Um, we no. don't, we would turn into some of these other countries that have eight, 10, 12 months, two year waiting lists to get their teeth cleaned. And I know some offices, they're already there where they're already at nine, 10 months for their regular hygiene visits. And that's just mm -hmm. not, let's schedule you six months out. It's six months out. And then six months after that, and yeah. Andrew, are you seeing that lesson up? Are you seeing that? Like, is that still an issue for you all? It's pockets though, okay. which is kind of interesting. I think Florida, where I'm at now, we saw our wait list like go berserk when everyone was trying to like move to the state. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, like get out of the state, you know, like anyways. So everyone was <laughs> moving here. So we saw, you know, that big influx. And then, you know, from kind of like, you know, my brother and some of the other dental hygienists that I know, you know, sometimes they'll just have like the end of this year, you know, 2023, like a whole day open. Mm. And we're like, what? They'll go to their, I don't know what you guys all call it, but like your quick fill list mm -hmm. is what we called it and try and get patients in. And like, no one's coming in. And I don't know if that's just, you know, you know how the economic, like, yeah. you know, tides turn really quickly and people are a little bit concerned and expendable income and the holidays and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's the norm to be nine, 10 months out. Mm -hmm. But you definitely have pockets of people, uh, pockets of offices that are just doing so well. Yeah. And I do think that when you are in an office that is that busy, it's easy to take your eye off the prize because you're just so busy working. Like you're just in yeah. the weeds. And then then I think it does happen. You wake up one day and all of a sudden, like you don't have any new patients because you weren't able to get any new patients in for the last four months. So right. now you have no new patients. You have no new treatment to diagnose mm -hmm. because all you're seeing is the same patients over and over again. So you don't have anybody new yeah, in the pipeline. Yeah. So I could see mm -hmm. that happening for sure. But I am really nervous about the numbers of hygienists that we're going to, we're just not going to have enough to do all of the cleanings. And I think, you know, or the, the periodontal therapy, I shouldn't say cleanings. I know <laughs> I shouldn't say cleanings, um, but even just to get new people in the door, like, you know, our dentist going to be doing most of the preventive stuff, you know, mm -hmm. just to get them, just to get it going. I don't know. You don't get, you don't see a new patient within two weeks. You're not going to see them. Like that's well, I do see that a lot though. That is a model that has kind of been adopted where, especially the areas where they can't find a hygienist to come work for them. They're just mm -hmm. too short in the area where the doctors are doing that initial therapy, that initial, you know, the treatment plan for them and just doing it themselves. They can't find a, a temp. They can't find anybody. So like, look, I'm going to lose this because the patient's like mentality, honestly, is they do want a cleaning. People yeah. feel good after they get their, their teeth cleaned. And so that is a service that if you're not providing, they're not going to stick with you. What so, about, what about these? Um, I talked to a doctor recently about this and it's certainly not a new idea, but like, you know how us chicks, we go get our hair blown out. So dry bar became a big thing where you just, you don't get your hair cut. You just go in and get your hair done. It, do you see a profi bars popping up? <laughs> where it's just nothing but cleanings uh, because somebody wants uh, to get their teeth clean because the wedding's coming up this weekend and all of that. I mean, I, I, I well, gosh, I, your audience is going to think I'm such a jerk. Man. No, I don't. No, 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 no. The, the term profi is, is actually about prevent prevention, right? So it's right. not a profi bar. It'd be like a polish bar, a right? Polish that, bar. That'd be a, that actually oh, sounds better it, to be honest. It, it would be. Yeah. But it's also more indicative, like what's actually happening. They're not going to go because you can technically go subgingival 
if there's without attachment loss, without bleeding, with all these things, if there is something that needs to be taken care of subgingivally mm-hmm. in a preventive measure for a prophy, right? Like that, that, that's the whole point of it. But part of the prophy is the polish. And I think that these people that want their blowout or whatever you called it, uh, <laughs> you know, they want their, you're going to need to polish first, but then you're going to do like a, like a boost whitening or whatever mm-hmm. whitening, inter whitening. That would be a great business model. The problem that I think would arise is the legality of all of that. Who is diagnosing, mm-hmm. you know, to, to do the polish, who is making sure that they're, we're not doing any more damage because people that are likely to go there aren't just going to be the people that have healthy teeth. It's going to be people that have some fractures and some decay. And what liability are you opening yourself up to if you're polishing and a piece of their tooth pops out of their mouth? Right. You know, right. and there's no dentist on the premises or, or whatever, you know, yeah. like that's. I think it would have to be dentist owned, but yeah, you're right. The legality, there's no state that's going to let a a polish bar open up without a dentist in charge. I don't know. Uh Uh-oh. But it's not a bad idea, Kevin. (laughs) Sorry. Well, no, you're you're fine. I'm not sure if Andrew saw the same TV commercial I did while we were in New York. There was a place advertising on one of the local channels we were watching at night that it was basically an all-you-could-do whitening and teeth and cleanings. Uh, whitening and cleanings coming as much as you want. And I was sitting here going, am I really seeing this? Wow. But that was, that was on a New York TV channel, uh, yeah. that they were advertising that in New York. Yeah. So, and I, I hadn't told either one of you about that. I need to do a little more research on Look that. Actually, holding but I was out like, on us. Uh-oh. Well, you know, I, just, I just wanted to mic drop and then peace out. But, uh, <laughs> <Not yeah, yet. laughs> I, I I was very curious about that. I was like, wait, really? But, so so I mean, that's interesting. Let's look at that though. Cause the, really we're not going to change dentistry because what's going to change dentistry is the consumer and what the consumer wants. The consumer is going to go there. We're dealing with a whole different set of consumers. I mean, we all know like our age and above our age and older, I'm 52, our age and older, we got a lot of dentistry done. So we're going to need to get more dentistry done at some point because it's mm-hmm. stuff's going to go bad. My son nor uh, norman i'm sorry kevin see God, this is what happens when you spend time with so many people with with him for so long so kevin's daughter is younger too about noah's age yep. and they they don't have the fillings that most people have right so they're not going to need the replacement so will this younger generation who has pretty healthy teeth has been going for every six months are they going to want just that like just an unlimited pass for a year of cleanings. And so that way before, before an interview, let me just go in and get a polish before, you know, I mean, honestly, that doesn't sound too bad to me. Right. Because it just, (laughs) it doesn't sound too bad to me. Andrew's going to be like, Oh my God, this girl. Yeah. (laughs) Look, well, no, look, I mean, it's it's one of those things like if you get a a note from your doctor that says you're disease free, then you can go to this place. Sure. Yeah. I'm not like anti this. (laughs) I think it's a good idea. It's just, we just have to do it the right way. It's just like the, the, the whole compact thing. Compacts are a great idea if we do it the right way. Yeah. If it's structured the right way, that's really protecting the public. Like that's that's our biggest mission right now. Is like we need to make sure that we're not enacting legislation or making up rules mm-hmm. that can potentially hurt somebody, even right. if it's just the one person. And so, like these dental brothers, okay, like how would that work exactly? I think there's a way. I mean, I just I think my point really was the reason I brought all that up honestly was because the consumer is going to drive what these business models turn mm-hmm. into because it's not just dentists now who are have the business models. As you all know, we've got business people coming up with dental business models now. Oh, yeah. And so if the consumers are saying, I just want to get polished, somebody's going to come up with a way to just give them polishing. 
it's yeah. going to happen. And to your point, we just need to make sure it's done the right way. So Kevin, I'm dying to know who that doctor is. You're going to have to get the yeah. memory banks going. And I know. I want, uh, now I want to check we'll out the website and find out all the, the fine print on all of Absolutely. that. So, well, and, and, um, and I guess the thing that alarmed me was just the whole as much whitening as you want. I was just sitting here going, that's an issue, but you know, yeah. who knows? But uh, I don't yeah. know. People can get as much whitening as they want from CVS. So, you know, that's I true. mean, I don't know. I just think, I think our consumers are going to drive the bus on this, which is not necessarily a great thing. So let's change lanes a little bit. And it wasn't as spicy as we thought it was going to be. We came out of that. All right. <laughs> Have you considered a software change lately? Maybe 2024 is the year to explore cloud-based software, specifically Curve's all-in-one platform. Software add-ons, they add up. Managing multiple logins can be a drag, and then you have to make sure all your data actually syncs, and it's easily accessible. Curve Hero's treatment planning features combine great visuals with the ability to find insurance coverage and determine patient obligations. Update your treatment plans and watch the changes flow through your financial info. It's super easy to customize. And if it's easy for the patient to understand, then your case acceptance rates go up. Auto posting is finally coming to dentistry. With integrated EFT and ERA auto posting, you won't even need to touch 50 to 70% of your curve claims. This is actively available in limited release with Medicare Advantage plans in four states. The national payer that Curve is working with will continue to roll out to other markets through the end of year 2023 and will be national in January 2024. Imagine eliminating the 5% of human error typically associated with the manual tasks that come with insurance claims, especially the posting. You know, it can be kind of mind numbing. So if you can eliminate that, that is a beautiful thing. Allow your team to focus on the revenue generation and customer service that we need to provide to our patients by giving them the tools to make it happen. Imagine not having to worry about server issues and broken software bridges. It's possible with cloud-based software. So check out CurveDental.com slash Duncan for a demo and pricing specifically for Nobody Told Me That listeners. Once again, I don't get anything for your sign up. I'm just trying to get the best deal for you. So again, CurveDental.com forward slash Duncan. And now back to the show. So let, let's <laughs> talk about the dental shows that are out there. And for those listeners that don't necessarily go to a lot of dental shows, don't tune out because what this means, this, this conversation is really how we're going to get CE delivered to us and, and honestly buying trends in the, in the industry. So Kevin and I talk often, Andrew, about the fact that dental shows were not as amazing as they used to be. And this is way before sure. COVID. This is, you know, 15 years ago, you'd see huge attendance at these big shows. You saw it too. Now, you know, the shows are all struggling. They all admit they're struggling. I think Chicago Midwinter does a really good job. I don't think they're struggling, but most of the big shows are struggling. What can they do differently? How can they get people like us back on there? Are, have they lost people because there's so much CE other places? And if that's the case, what does that mean? For vendors, how do we get knowledge of these new products and hands-on with the new products? So you guys just can't, went to both Greater New York. You were there. Tell me a little bit about the show. Tell me a little bit about the couple shows you've been to in the past year or so. And what do you see for next year? Um, so the shows that I hit routinely are the big ones, like right? So mm -hmm. Chicago Midwinter. Um, I'll do RDH Under One Roof. It's a really <laughs> big one for hygienists, if you haven't heard about that one. Which, by the way, sold out this year. So I don't know. When we're talking about things are struggling, like, that one's not, yeah. you know, it's the first year in 
20 some odd years that it's sold out. And from what I've heard so far, they're already projecting to, they're already like 200 registrants above this time last year. So like on a good trajectory to sell out again for a second year in a row, the greater New York is a big one. I do the podcast conferences, of course, as well. Sometimes Hinman, I'll do the Hinman Yankee I've been to before, but that's not something I've, I've routinely gone to. So when I look at things, it's definitely slowing down. The hard part for me is like, if I wasn't a podcaster, would I even go to these even when I first started, yeah. like the whole reason for me to go to Chicago midwinter, the very first big conference I ever went to, I think it was 2016. I mean, I did Pacific Northwest down conference, the PNDC before, but that was whatever was, it had nothing to do with CE, it had to do with doing interviews with, with people. And so <laughs> when I look at the quality of the CE, it is among the best quality CE that you're ever going to get. But to your point, like there's so many online platforms that have these exact same speakers yeah. giving the CE. So I'm having a hard time really understanding why people are going to this going to these conferences other than the fact that your buddies are going to be there. Mm. Like we all go also because our buddies are going to be like, <laughs> yeah. we met people in the industry. We're going to go out to dinner and have fun. And we're going to, you know, reminisce and we're going to talk about, you know, the industry and how it's falling apart and solve the world's problems. <laughs> like that's what we do when we're at these conferences. Uh, but what is the everyday hygienist, my group of people, what are they going for? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have an answer for you on that one. As far as it's slowing down, like it has been slowing down year over year. But it's still lively. Uh, you know, on Sunday, like it was busy on Sunday. And so if I'm a vendor, I might not get like three days worth of really cool, you know, stuff out of it. But Sunday was a you know kick butt day for for me as a vendor. Okay. Yeah, Teresa's heard my spiel and that I believe that the RDH under one roofs, the ADOM meetings, the Serona worlds, the specialized ones where you have a reason to be there and you're connected to everybody else who is there through something. Mm-hmm. We'll keep going. We'll keep growing. We'll keep flourishing. But I think your local state shows where it's just, well, we've got Gordon Christensen coming in and, hey, exhibit hall's open. That doesn't have the panache that it used to, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I, I really do think that you're going to see a lot more, you know, like Henry Shine has started its Thrive Live, you know, and trying to be the Serona world of the spring where, again, you're all connected through Henry Shine products somehow. So I think you're going to see a lot more of those shows take over. I think the Chicago Midwinter is always going to be your northern star whenever it comes to shows. I think we all agree it's a product launch show. It's a party show. Mm -hmm. It's a good feeling show. But some of the others, I think you walk in and you see that they are really struggling to get people into the exhibit hall. And so I think, do we have three days of CE and the exhibit hall only open one day and you make it almost a scarcity mindset that people want to come in on Monday because they know that's the only day it's open? I think you could start seeing people do that because exhibitors are going to start pulling back. Mm -hmm. If they don't get the ROI, they're definitely going to start pulling back. And we also know that a lot of exhibitors are also being asked to sponsor speakers in addition to having a booth. And Mm -hmm. so the expenses are just getting out of control for some of these companies out there. And eventually they're going to put a stop to it and say, we can't afford to do this. It doesn't make sense for our business. Some of the big ones have put a stop to it. They don't go to these big yeah, meetings. And so you're absolutely. missing, you go look around for their booths and you're like, oh, we're so-and-so. Oh, they don't need to be here. And maybe a, one of their reps will just walk the floor. And that that used to mm-hmm. never be the case. Like I remember it was like, who's here and who's got the biggest booth? And then we had double-decker booths at one time. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Then all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, they don't need to be here. And it's like, wow, like that was a total mind shift for me because I always thought they made so much money at these shows, not that it was a lost leader to get in touch with their people and put new products out there. It's been amazing, this whole industry, to watch the show up and down of it. So so a couple of different things on, on that. So one thing that I've noticed for like the podcast, we'll say, 
we don't do sales, obviously, so it's a different beast. If, if I'm going to a show with the intention of selling my fluoride varnishes or whatever, probably not going to do that well. But I'm there for awareness. And I still think that there's something about that personable, like you are like a real human being, meeting people. People can see you. They can take pictures of you. We see a huge spike in our podcast after every show. Oh, good. I'm assuming that's because we, you know, our social media was, you know, talking about the show. Other people were talking about us being at the show and, and it, like we just had like a little quick spike mm-hmm. and then it levels off, whatever. But Kevin, the things that you talked about, the shows that you were saying that all of them that you not mentioned, I'm like, those are also their unique shows. So mm-hmm. you look at the, you know, Greater New York and Hinman, all, they're all cookie cutters, right? They're all the same show, basically just in a different location at a different time. But like Dense by Serona World, that is, Tracy, you've been to that one, right? I actually have never been to that one. It is like red carpet, like crazy amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Yes, you have CE and you have, I like the way that they do their tracks of, you know, that here's your education. If you're this person, this is what you're going to get. And they really try and focus on the end user. Mm-hmm. Their exhibit hall is an exhibit hall. It's good, but it's like their people, their stuff, like they're very specific partners. You know, it's not just anybody yeah. that can get in the exhibit hall, but then their entertainment, you know, they'll have a comedian, they'll have I mean, it's like Jerry Seinfeld. Like, it's not just like some comedian. Jim Gaffigan was there. Yeah. There, I can't remember. Was it Sting that that sang this yep. last one? Yep. You know, they'll have like some of the biggest names in music as as part of this experience. And sure, it's expensive, but you get front row to a concert. Like, it's really awesome. You know, uh, RDH Under One Roof. It is so much different than any other dental hygiene specific conference out there because they'll have the happy hours. They have like the events. They'll have the the networking stuff, they, they just do it really, really well. And there's a party every night. Who doesn't like a party? Right. Right. You know, so I haven't been to the the new Henry Shine, the Thrive Live, whatever. I haven't been to that one yet. But from what I've seen, it's similar where it's like, mm-hmm. we're going to have a great time at this show. Like, we're going to treat you right as an attendee. We're not just here for CE. And I think that's how you differentiate. If you want to continue to be Thrive, if you want to continue to Thrive and be good at this, you have to find something that other people are not doing in a location at a time that they're not doing it. So I think the thing that I kept hearing from both of you was experience, that it's got to be an experience, right? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, just having us file into a room and then be shuffled to the exhibit hall, we've done that. And for new people coming into the industry, the way they learn is so different. I mean, as a speaker, it's been very hard to cut my classes down from three hours to one hour. Sometimes I'm lucky and I get a two hour spot. I can do that. But I was just talking to an organization that wants me to come down for the day for a one hour class. And I was like, this is insane. Like that's, that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Like, can I remote in at this point? So I think the economics of a big show where you want to bring in a lot of speakers for one hour spots. I mean, how many speakers can you bring in? Just looking at the logistics and the economics of that doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. So I think they have to do something different to attract. So as a speaker being asked to do, Dense by Sarona. I mean, Henry, Kevin, Henry, Kevin, Henry. I know who you are. I promise I know who you are. Kevin, you've spoken at Sarona World, right? So, but part of it was like, I want to speak at Sarona World. Like you wanted to speak there, right? So, so that would be a draw for the speaker as well to go there. But if Joe Blow Dental Society you know, state of Joe Blow calls me and is like, we're going to have a local cover band. That's going to be your experience. That's not going to be enough to get the quality education there too. So it's got to be experience all around the speakers, the vendors, Mm -hmm. the attendees. So 
Well, and, and Andrew talked about the spikes after social on, you know, after shows with social media and everything else. And, and I think that that's the thing. You see this flood of things after Under One Roof or Adom or Serona World about, oh my God, can you believe I was this close to staying? You know, I mean, and there is the FOMO that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And again, let's be honest, we're not talking about the CE side of things. We're not talking <laughs> about the exhibit hall here. Okay. Right. Yeah, right. we're really talking about the people want something else. Yeah. They want that cool kids club feel to it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's tough for the Hinmans, the Yankees, the greater New Yorks that have done it this way forever to turn that ship whenever all these smaller ones have figured out, hey, let's just give them, as Andrew said, a party every night and a reason to be there and something to put up on social. Mm-hmm. So that's the yeah. future of our CE, a party every night. That seems to be, right? <laughs> I mean, as long as the CE is not like 7 a.m. the next day, I think you're going to be all right. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of CE in Vegas. I'm always surprised how many oh, people go to CE for, in Vegas and they stay out all night and they shuffle in. My whole front row smells like a tequila bar, but that's okay. They got up early. <laughs> they came in. It's wild, right? So that is interesting. Thrive is going to be something to watch because it's it's fairly new. It used to be a different show that they mm-hmm. put on. So yeah. it is going to be interesting to see if they can kind of duplicate that and get it going. I'd love to see more niche shows. I really would more, more focus like business focused, but there's also these academies that are popped up and also taking away from that CE pie. You've got like Mark Costas and the bulletproof guys. I mean, they come up with all of these dental, what is it? Scott Loon has, has his thing. There's all mm-hmm. these little two to three day academies that go on too that Mm -hmm. give them the real meaty business stuff that doesn't, I hate to say it, the the state associations are not known for teaching meaty business stuff. (laughs) And that's why our, at my side of the world, we don't get excited about a lot of classes at state associations because our classes are almost an afterthought. Like, okay, we filled up the clinical side. Who can we get that's local to do a class on case presentation? I mean, yeah. it, it's very much an afterthought. And I, I see it changing in some states, but I don't think enough. So I think that's why ADOM mm-hmm. is as popular as it is because it's just for them. So Andrew, we got to get you to that one. Have you been to that one before? No, I haven't. You were in Orlando, I think a couple of years ago. I'm like, I think it's when you won your award. And I was like, man, that's if I was going to go to one, like that's the one I was going to go to. It's a party. Well, we're back in Orlando in another, I don't, maybe two years or so. So we're going to have to get you down there. Actually, you can fly. I mean, I know you fly. So (laughs) I I do. do. I just got my next, I just got my next, uh, Level up on United for this next oh, year. Congratulations. Oh, there you go. My status. So. Oh, so see, I know this is the stuff where like, everybody thinks it's really glamorous to do the speaking job and to be traveling and all this stuff, all this stuff. And then our biggest like excitement is we get a good status. <laughs> so we don't have to wait in line like as we're much. We're gold status for this next but year. The rest of it is awful. The views are awful. The views are a parking lots. So we don't get any balconies. It's no. just terrible. So it's not, it's not what they think it is. So, all right. So we are at the top of the hour and I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up, but I'm going to throw it to you all. Tell them how to find you absorb more of you because you guys, you're both like two of my favorite ever. And my audience, you guys, you know, I don't, I don't pump people up. I love these dudes. So I want you to follow them and see what they have to offer. And if you see them anywhere, please go and say hi to them. Andrew, how the heck do they find you? <laughs> I think I've done a good job in dentistry, like being incognito. You can't find me anywhere, <laughs> uh, but you can follow the podcast, the tale of two hygienists. It's not just for hygienists. We talk about everything. We have cariology series, myofunctional therapy, ortho. Like we talk about everything on the podcast. 
I, and honestly, Teresa, this is like, we, we used to do one hour podcasts all the time. We're at 30 minutes now. And I'm like, oh, it kind of feels nice to do one hour again. This was like really comprehensive. Yeah. But I mean, you can follow me there. I'm not on any of the social medias, so you'll never be able to find me there. Oh, I'll find you. <laughs> anybody, All the podcasts. If anybody needs to get to them, I can get to them. So <laughs> Kevin, how do people find you? Well, Dental System Nation podcast. I mean, we do 15-minute shows every week. We'd love to have you as a part of that. Also, doctorbycuspid.com. As Teresa said, editor-in-chief. Come check out the new Dr. B. Uh, we, we try to be a little salacious and have a little fun, but also uh, also educate you along the way as well. Well, and for those of you that don't know, Kevin and I actually have our own podcast called Chew on This. And you said salacious. So I thought, oh, shoot, I better remind them. So when we <laughs> our podcast is salacious, we talk about the crazier side of dentistry. So I actually was on a very formal call with the ADA and the person who was in charge of it, Kevin, said, I really love your podcast. It's crazy about that dentist. We were talking about the peeping dentist. It's crazy about that dentist. And I was like, I thought he, he was talking about nobody told me that. And when he said the crazy dentist, I was like, yes, yes, we're getting into the higher air. This is good. We, we all love the train wrecks. Let's be honest. We yes. do. You know. so Stop looking. I will put all of the links, all the ways to find them in the show notes. I'll also put a link to a recent episode that I did with Andrew at the ADA where we talked about a very salacious story, a dentist who is doing some funky stuff on social media. And that was kind of fun to talk about. So I will put a link in there if you are wanting some of the salaciousness. So thank you, gentlemen. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and always good to to see you. Thanks. And dear listeners, you know, I am so appreciative of the time you spend with me. We're all super busy. So thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in the episode. You can also find links for my book, events, and my online insurance course, Dental Insurance Design and Management. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.